Uh, well, I'll take just a minute this morning. Um, psalm 5, 1 through 12. It, it is a great psalm, and, and let me just sort of give you a little bit. It is about uh, the personal walk with the Lord, but it is about your fellowship with the Lord and the joy that that brings. Notice, if you would, in verse number 11. But let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy, because thou defendest them. Let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. So the idea is, he says, look, I'm, I'm just rejoicing uh, in my walk with the Lord. Now, let me go back, and you'll be able to see some things here. Notice personal fellowship and communication with God should be our passion. Notice with me, if you would, in verse 1. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Hearken unto the voice of my cry, my King and my God. You see a personal touch there. My King and my God. And folks, today, listen, nobody in this room should get to the point where this is not the highlight of your day. I sort of read about, you know, uh, you know, when the alarm goes off, the best part of your day is over. You just like to sleep. Well, uh, to me, the best part of your day should be when you uh, have to get up after your devotion time, after you've spent time with the Lord. And that's what he's saying here. Notice what he says in verse number three. My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee and will look up. Now, the idea is this. And this morning we're going to look at a passage. Um, uh, the uh, the uh, creator of navigators um, had won some people to Christ. And a year later he met them and, and they weren't a lot different. And he began to get burdened about it. And he said, look, I've got to do some things different. I need to spend more time with people that have been saved. I need to get them into the Word of God. And as a result, Navigators is a discipleship program where you memorize Scripture, you hide it in your heart, you begin to take God's Word and live accordingly. And so that is what the psalmist here is about. Now, the psalmist had an advantage over all of us. He was a shepherd. A shepherd is out in the wilderness watching the sheep. He can sit on a rock and watch his sheep uh, get up and walk around the sheep, but there's not much going on around him. There are no high-rise buildings. There's no people running around and bustling. Uh, it's just nature and the Lord and the sheep. So the psalmist said, you know, he begins to sort of share with us a little bit about his life. Now, folks, this is what we need to try to get to. And that's reading the Bible says in, take your Bible, turn it with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 6. I want you to notice this, Matthew chapter 6. We're going to tie these two in together. And I want you to notice this morning, uh, notice, if you would, in verse 6. And when thou, notice if you were to, but thou, verse, this is Matthew 6, 6. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret. Now, let me just pause there. Um, 
a closet, how much activity goes on in your closets? Okay? Uh, there's not any loud music in the closet. There's not any loud talking in the closet. Uh, uh, there, there's not any dogs running around the closet. There, uh, there's not any children running around the closet usually. Uh, uh, the idea behind this passage in Matthew 6 is that you get away from all the distractions of this world. And the psalmist said, you know, I, I sit on a rock, and in the morning I lift my prayer up to you. He sees the sunrise coming over uh, the horizon. One of my favorite things about hunting is being out in the wilderness with not much around. There's, you're, just, you're looking around for an animal, particular type, but the, the, it's cool, it's crisp usually in the morning. The sun's coming up. Uh, your mind doesn't have a lot of distractions. And folks, today, distractions can destroy you. Um, George Mueller began to change when he realized as I began to sit down, he said, sometimes it takes me as much as one hour to clear my mind. He said, many times it'll take me 5, 10, 15 minutes as I'm sitting there to try to block out things that I'm dealing with so that I can just get it between the Lord and I. Now, let me give you a picture. Someone comes into my office, and they say, Pastor, could I talk with you? I've got a burden. And I say, sure, come on in. And they sit down in the chair, and um, I say, could you give me just a minute? I've got to make a quick phone call. Sure. And I make a quick phone call, and then pretty soon I'm starting to talk to them, my phone rings. And so as I'm, I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, you know, oh, look, hang on a second. I remember something I got to do, and I wrote that down. Uh, do you understand the lack of care that presents the person sitting in my office? Well, I do that to the Lord. And George Mueller used to do that to the Lord, and he realized that every day he had to go to a place where nothing was going on, into his closet. Now, the idea of a closet, it is, it's quiet, it is, it's, it's dark, um, but it's a place where you can meet with the Lord. Now, look back over, if you would, in Psalm 5. <clears throat> Notice what he says, my voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord. Now, this morning, I have another pastor friend that prays for me every Sunday. Um, and every Sunday morning, this morning, it came up on my, on my phone uh, that he had gotten up at 5.01, I believe it was, or 4.58. I can't remember. It was like 53 minutes ago, and I don't remember the exact time. He said, Dave, I just want you to know I got up and I was praying for you this morning. <clears throat> now, I get that every Sunday morning. It's a time schedule. If you're going to grow in the Lord, if you're going to be what God wants you to be, then you're going to have a joyful Christian life. It comes from the sweetness of your fellowship with the Lord. There are no great Christians that I've ever read about that do not have this time either early in the morning late in the evening, or many times during the day. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Daniel chapter 6. 
Daniel chapter 6. Notice with me if you would. I'm going to turn to a couple of passages in Daniel, but notice Daniel 6. Notice what he says. Verse 10. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and opened his windows, uh, and, and his windows being open in his chamber, so he's in his bedroom, toward Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the place that they would look, the Jews would look, uh, that, that the Lord was there. Remember the Lord, uh, the eastern gate, that's what they're looking for. Uh, upon his chamber toward Jerusalem, he knelt upon his knees three times a day. So understand, he's praying three times a day. Now, maybe you and I are, are got a different schedule than Daniel, but my point to you is that David became king, but he had time in the morning that he set aside for his special time with the Lord. Now, notice with me, if you would, in verse number 20 of chapter 9 of Daniel. Look at Daniel chapter 9, verse 20. You get a little bit Notice, if you would, and while I was speaking and praying and confessing my sins. Now, there is a part of what you talk to the Lord about in the morning, at noon, and in the evening. Notice, while I was praying, speaking to the Lord. So it's almost like he's been able to invite the Lord into his home office, into his closet, And he's speaking with the Lord, but notice the wording. Notice, if you would, in verse number 23. At the beginning of thy supplication. Now, supplication is is different in the sense that it is a pouring of your heart out to the Lord. Prayer is talking to the Lord. Speaking is talking to the Lord. Supplication is a desperate prayer. There's a difference. So notice what he says. In verse number 23, this is Daniel 9, 23. At the beginning of thy supplications, plural, the commandment came forth, and I am come to show thee thou art greatly beloved. Why is Daniel so greatly beloved? Because he has a personal, joyful relationship with the Lord. Notice, if you would, chapter 10, verse number 11. Excuse me, verse number 10. This is Daniel 10.10. And behold, an hand touched me, which set me upon my knees and upon the palms of my hands. Um, There is a, I remember hearing about a pastor that uh, his wife knew what his time was of prayer with the Lord. And he would go into a room, he would lay prostrate on the floor. And sometimes it would be 20, 30 minutes to an hour. Then he would begin to pray. You know what he was doing? Exactly what George Mueller was doing. He was trying to block out all the things that distract us. How many of you are like me? You've been praying and your mind goes to something you got to do. Raise your hand. You've been praying and your mind just for some reason runs off. Well, did you know I read this week about uh, one of the greatest preachers, Charles Spurgeon. Before his whole church, he got up and he said, you know, he said, I have a confession to make. 
He said, some of my most awful thoughts happen. He said, when I am, I'm getting ready to preach, or I am, I am getting ready to pray, just, they're just, I, I just want you to know that there's some awful thoughts happen. And I look at myself and say, where did that thought come from? Anybody ever had those thoughts? You don't raise your hand. But here's one of the greatest preachers of yesteryear that said, my thoughts get away from me. And he said, it's so frustrating. And we find that's the case in Romans chapter 7 where Paul said, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? And folks, today, listen, uh, it is important that you and I, and this, I think, is the greatest struggle for a Christian, is to strive to get our mind clear that we can focus upon the Lord and upon the needs that we have for the Lord. Remember, Daniel said, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to give my supplications, plural. Uh, notice Daniel chapter 10 and verse number 12. He said, then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel, from the first day thou didst set thine heart to understand. Okay? We have to set our heart and mind toward the Lord. And this is the key to a great devotional life. And folks, that's what makes great Christians. It's when you can set it aside. Uh, notice, if you would, in verse 13, But the prince of the kingdom of Persia, that's the old devil, withstood me one in twenty days, but Michael, lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. So many times our answers to prayer are held up by the old devil. And when we begin to sort of get disappointed with the Lord, the Lord has already sent the answer, but Satan, Satan is fighting. Now, you'll notice, if you would, in verse number, verse number 19, and said, O man, greatly beloved, fear not, peace be unto thee, be strong, yea, be strong. And, and you'll notice, and when he had spoken unto me, I was strengthened and said, Lord, let my Lord speak, for thou hast strengthened me. Now, understand, uh, and I do like this part, look at verse number 21. But I will show thee that which is noted in the scripture of truth, and there is none that holdeth to me in these things but Michael, and notice that next phrase, your prince. You know what I believe the Lord does? I believe he assigns angels to you and I. The Bible says in Hebrews 1, 4, are, they, are not the angels ministering spirits for us. So let's say you have an angel assigned to you, and you're getting ready to pray, and the angel wants to bring you the answers to your prayers, but you and I are scattered all over the place in our minds. You see, the joy is taken away from us because we feel guilty. We didn't have a good time of, of prayer and it's not necessarily about the amount of time. It's about the quality of time. It's about blocking out all the things of this life. That's the reason uh, the, the Matthew said, go into your closet and close the door. Block out distractions. Now, do you understand? This has got to be a passion for you. I know a lot of people have various passions. Uh, some people, uh, they like to sew. Some people like to, uh, to play golf. Some people like to go hunting. Some, this morning I had somebody sent me a, a picture of a deer they had shot yesterday. 
Uh, and then I had uh, somebody else sent me a picture of there. They didn't shoot day for that. That would be Susan's brother had a friend that let this huge deer walk by and say, I wanted one that's a little bigger. And so I said, shoot, I would have been shooting all over the place if I'd have seen that deer. But he said, eh, I just want to get a, a certain one. Uh, well, that takes time to go out there and sit. You and I, a lot of things we'd like to have, we have a passion about. Maybe it is uh, you have a passion about certain games that you like to play or games you like to watch or things you like to go do. Uh, there are ladies that have a passion. They like to shop. There's some, uh, there's some men that have a passion or ladies that like to do certain activities. The Lord just wants us to have a passion for him. And that's what's missing. It doesn't mean that you and I are not good people. But the difference between good and great. And I want to encourage you to strive for greatness in your Christian life. And folks, that means there's got to be a place where you go and a time where you go on a daily basis. Now let's go back to Psalm 5. And I want you to notice, you can first see this passion in verse number uh, in verse number three, my voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord, in the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee. And we'll look up. There is, a, there is an attention to the person of Christ that's missing in a lot of our lives because of distractions. There's a missing attention to the person of Christ due to the lack of knowledge. Uh, uh, we don't know that that's what we're supposed to be doing. Every man and woman in this room is supposed to have an attention to the Lord at some point in time, every day. You can't wait for a crisis to have this attention to the Lord. I will look at him and look up. You see, the Lord loves you and I. He wants us to have this passion for his attention, for his answers. And notice with me, if you would, uh, not only that, but notice if you would in chapter 5, verse number, uh, verse number 7. But as for me, I will come into thy house in the multitude of thy mercy. And in thy fear will I worship toward thy holy temple. So there's got to be a uh, a. Public worship has to be a, a, a plan in your mind. It's a privilege. To go to church is a privilege. Folks, don't let things distract you from the Lord's house. Where else are you going to say, here, somebody say, take your Bible and let's talk about the Lord? Are you going to get that at the bowling alley? Are you going to get that out in the woods? Are you going to get that on the golf course? Take your Bible and let's Talk about something from the Lord. You see, this is the place that God has prepared and planned for you and I to have the privilege of singing to the Lord. I don't know about you, but it's kind of hard to go around your office and singing, oh, how I love Jesus, isn't it? But it's not in this place. We can sing together. It lifts the spirit. It's a place of encouragement. It's a reminder that you and I are not alone. You're not alone in your walk with the Lord. You're not weird. You're a child of God. And the Lord loves you. 
But your dedication to the Lord is different than the people of the world. This place, a place of public worship, makes it different. Now, notice with me, if you would, uh, it it is a place where uh, we obtain the mercy of God. Notice, if you would, in verse number 7, I will come into thy house in the multitude of thy mercy. Uh, You come to this altar at the end of the service and say, Lord, I want to ask for your mercy in this area or that area. Lord, I want to ask your mercy for for the clerks as they travel to the funeral of, of Christine's brother. Pray for mercies. How many of you in this room need the mercy of God every day? We all do. But this is the place to plead for the mercy of God. I know you can do it other places, but God has designed this place for that purpose that you can enjoy the mercies of God. Uh, notice with me, if you would, uh, it, is, it is a place. Now, take your Bible uh, and notice, if you would, in verse number uh, 8. Lead me, O Lord, in thy righteousness. Make thy way straight before thy, my face. So the idea is that this is the place where the Lord can lead you. How many of you have ever been in, sitting in church and the Lord touched your heart about something? gave you a different direction. That happens to all of us. And if we're not here, and so public worship is, now listen, I use, I use this word, it's a privilege. It's a command, but it's a privilege. You have children in your home, uh, they're to follow your command, but it's a privilege to follow the commands of your parents because the, you know they love you. It's a privilege to be in this place, but it's a decision that you have to make. Everybody in this room, everybody in our church had to make a decision this morning. I'm going to get up and I'm going to go to church. For what purpose? That I can meet with the Lord. Now, folks, today, um, a part of what we want to do is we're going to block out all the things that could distract you. So there's no loud music going on. There's There's no other people talking. Uh, when we, you, you have children, we have nurseries so that you're not distracted. You know what we're trying to do? What the Lord wants us to do is provide a place where you can look up and let the Lord touch your heart. That's what this place is. I, I don't think the place should be a rundown place where you're looking around Oh, we need to fix that. We need to fix this. I think it's a place where you come in and you can sit down and you can say, Lord, ah, I just need to talk to you. Distractions are removed. But it's a decision that you have to make because it is a privilege to be here. Now, we don't think it's much of a privilege. Most Christians sort of think it's a, it's a privilege for God to see them in church. You know, I mean, hey, I got so many things going on, but I'll I'll give you the day. I'll come in this morning. Uh, I'll give you one time this month or twice this month. Do do you understand the privilege it is? One of these days we're going to be in heaven if you're God's child forever with the Lord. What will you do then? Well, the idea is that you and I prepare. We're preparing to meet with the Lord. Our love is strengthened. I do believe one second past death, that our love for the Lord is sealed forever so that we enjoy His presence, we enjoy Him because we trusted Him as Savior. I think the Lord gives us that because other than that, we'd never be happy in heaven. 
So the Lord does something for us that we cannot do for ourselves. He's going to save Israel, and Israel doesn't want to be saved for the most part. There's always a small group there. He's going to save all of Israel one of these days. You know why? Because they can't get their act together. And that's the way it is with a lot of us. We just can't seem to get our act together. So the Lord says, I'm going to help you. But why wouldn't it mean, wouldn't it mean a lot to the Lord if you and I said, Lord, I want you to be first to me now. I've got a lot of things going on, Lord, but I want you to be first. That's the reason in Matthew, by the way, does anybody know what book and chapter this statement is made? But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Does anybody know what chapter and book that is? What's that? Somebody raise your hand. Matthew 6, 33. Guess what it's right after? Matthew 6, 6. It's right after when you went into the presence of the Lord in your closet. It's in the same chapter. It's a part about, look, you learn to pray, and you learn to put a priority on the Lord's prayer and the time with him. And he said, look, and if you put a priority on me and your life and not worry about all the things you have to get and do, he says, I'll do them for you. He said, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. You see, the old devil wants you and I to, to work hard to get what we want. Now, listen very carefully. I'll, I'll try to wrap this up. But it is important that you and I are industrious, that we are hard workers, and that we are diligent in our business. But when it comes to actually succeeding, we take a step back and say, Lord, you have to bless the efforts that I'm trying to do because without your hand of blessing, nothing succeeds. Everybody in this room needs the Lord's blessing in your life on what you're doing. It's sort of like placing a seed in the ground. You can plant a thousand seeds in a garden or a thousand or a million seeds in a, in a hundred acres, but nothing happens unless God waters it, unless God brings forth the fruit. And you and I have nothing to do with that, really. So the Lord says, look, I just want you to go to your closet and meet with me. I just want you to put a priority on me because I've put a priority on you. I've given everything I have for you. Now, notice this, and we'll close. Look down in verse number um, We have a personal fellowship and communication with God is our passion. We have a public worship is our privilege, but you'll notice we have uh, private joy can be our portion. Notice, if you would, in verse number 11, but let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let all those that do what they're supposed to do and leave the results with the Lord rejoice because you've done your part. You cannot heal. A doctor can go in and do surgery and put something back, but he can't heal. Notice, if you would, in verse number 11, let them ever shout for joy because thou defendest them. The Lord is going to take care of you if you and I seek him first. If we try to find a place where we can sit down and block out the things of the world, 
and look up. Lord, you're first. You're most important. And then at some point in time in our devotional time, we become very passionate and supplicate. Lord, now, uh, please, Lord, would, would, you, would you save my aunt? Lord, would you, would you bless my child? They're really sick this morning. So there's a point in time when you're talking with the Lord and you're fellowshipping with the Lord. But can you picture this? You come into my office, we're sitting there, and you say, Pastor, you know, I, I, would, you, would, you, would you pray with me about this and this and this? And, and you know, I've got this going on in my life and that going on. And then all of a sudden, uh, a, a brief pause, and he said, Pastor, one thing. Could I ask you to help me with this? Now, that does several things to me. Okay, this is important. This is a priority. I need to listen. Don't you want that for the Lord for you? Now, this is a priority for Dave Pittman. This is important to him. I'm going to listen. Isn't that what you want the Lord to do for you? So sometime in your closet, there is a point of supplication. There is a point of this is truly important. Do you have those times? Everything can't be 100% important. But every day, that importance could have a new priority for the day. And folks, you and I can have joy because of it. He said, the Lord speaks to us and says, I will defend you. Notice this in verse number, uh, verse number 11. Let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. Sooner or later, folks, you've got to fall in love with the Lord. Do you understand? That's the greatest command in all of Scripture. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, mind, body, and soul. So there's a point in there where you've fallen in love. I can honestly say now, after many years of getting up, one of my favorite things every day is to get up and go sit in my chair or in the couch. I like to open the door, let the breeze come in. The other day I noticed Janet was not in the room, having her devotion. I, hey, I saw you in another room. She said, I was cold. You know, I mean, I had an electric blanket on, an electric throw, and I was sitting there just talking with the Lord, and it was probably 25, 28 degrees outside. The wind was coming in. It was like, wow, I was in the presence of the Lord. You know what? I live for that. It's my greatest joy almost every day. But you know what? Sometimes I get distracted. Sometimes I just lose my focus. And I have to ask the Lord, Lord, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? You're more important than that. Forgive me. But that morning time of devotion becomes critical to me. It makes a difference in my day. I remember George Mueller said this, and I didn't understand it for a long time. He said, if I don't get a chance to spend at least an hour and a half to two hours with the Lord every morning, I can't get everything done. 
Then it dawned on me. He's trusting the Lord to help him with his day. That's what I want to do. That's what I want you to do. Because then you can have joy. The day is not in your control. It's in his control. Lord Jesus, would you help us to be joyful Christians today? I thank you, dear Lord, for the challenge when I read Psalm 5, Lord. But I see the joy that results from making you our passion. In your name I pray. Amen.